day when people have a product, they go to all 40,000 practices because in their minds, they're agnostic of who they are as long as they pick up the product. Right. We believe that we can better align your values with ours that ultimately creates a new market in aesthetics. Okay, I like that. A premium brand. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Technology of Beauty, where I have the opportunity to interview the movers and the shakers of the beauty business, and today is no exception. Today, I have the president of Revance, Mr. Dustin Suits. Dustin, thank you for coming. I appreciate it. It's so great to have you. I've been waiting for this interview for over two years. <laughs> appreciate it. And we it. finally get to do it. Finally. So as I mentioned, Dustin is the president of Revance, the makers, as you know, of, of, uh, of Daxify, and also the distributors of RHA. And today we're going to learn a lot about Dustin and also about Revance. So with no further ado, first of all, where'd you grow up? I grew up in a small town called St. Joseph, Illinois, or Royal Illinois, outside of Champaign. It's in central Illinois, Okay, actually in the middle of nowhere. It's a couple hours from <laughs> Chicago, a couple hours from St. Louis, and uh -huh. about an hour and a half or so from Indianapolis on the east side of Illinois. Grew up on a grain farm there, actually. Is that right? Yeah. And when did you, did you go to college from there? I or? did. I actually, um, the University of Illinois is in Champaign. So that's yes. around 15 minutes or so from my house. But dad said that was too close to the farm. Um, and so he forced me to go somewhere else. And so instead I went to Illinois State, which uh -huh. is actually just an hour away. Um, but that's the home of State Farm Insurance and all of that. So Illinois State University, around 30,000 students there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, the big city was Chicago and St. Louis. Huh? It was, but I'm a Cubs fan, so I will prefer Chicago versus St. Louis. I bet. I yeah. bet. Well, I spent seven years in St. Louis, and I am a big Cardinal fan. <laughs> well, there you go. Imagine that. That's right. Our family was split. It's half yeah. and half, right? Were they? Yeah. Okay. So what did you major in college? Uh, agriculture business, actually, and plant science. So um, big agriculture community, so I assumed I was going to be in agriculture most of my life. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you finished college. Finished what was college. your first job? My first job, actually, I was in college. I was doing working with the uh, U.S. Department of Agriculture on some beetle studies. Then I ended up actually doing some ag chemical sales, right? The, the big industry back then was pharmaceuticals and agriculture, really okay. being combined with the same company, right? The Monsantos, Novartises, they were all one company. And I was actually on the agriculture side. Okay. Right? And that was the end all be all of what you wanted to do in agriculture is be that that commercial folk for the, uh, um, you know, for the, the ag chemical companies, right? Right. But at the same time, they were spinning off into pharmaceutical divisions and agriculture divisions. So I was on the agriculture side. Right. So my first job was doing agriculture chemical sales, selling. Would it be like pesticides? Or? Pesticides, all the bad words, the Monsantos, the Roundups, all the <laughs> DDT things that DDT. Or? Never had DDT <laughs> oh, at that okay. point. That was a little pre me. Roundup. I'm not that. How about age. Roundup? Roundup, what? I might have sold some Roundup, but the generic <laughs> version, glyphosate. Uh, glyphosate. But uh, yeah, so started there. Um, and they were making that transition from agriculture to pharma. And I ended up following one of the divisions and getting into reproductive endocrinology and, and pharmaceutical sales right outside of uh, shortly after college. Okay. Yeah. You ended up at Allergan. Did you go from there to Allergan? No, I actually, the middle? I had, the middle was a startup um, doing kind of, um, I guess, cough, cough and cold drugs, hydrocodone type drugs, pain medications. They were starting a a kind of a, a Desi company. I'm sure you heard of that way back in the yeah. day where these, these products were FDA approved, but you didn't really have patent protection. But as long as you use the same ingredients, um, you were able to kind of um, 
market products. It was a really unique thing. And so people would build these sales forces. We built a sales force of up to 150 with the hope of ultimately being bought, right? So that way someone else who needed a sales force um, actually would, would purchase you. We ended up working with uh, Darvaset and all these different things in terms of building a company. And I, I was um, in sales leadership there and then ultimately moved to the home office in Birmingham, Alabama, because okay. we were affiliated with UAB uh, a little bit and uh, lived in Birmingham and was is running that. And as with all startups, you have highs and, and lows. And uh, I was actually called about a small company, I thought, called Allergan, um, <laughs> a product, didn't know anything about it. I think I was in my mid-20s. Um, talked to me about something around Botox, right? So um, they were they were kind of moving over at the time from medical dermatology, the division, right, into right. really kind of starting up more of an, the aesthetic side. Um, and so I joined Allergan on that as one of the regional managers, I think the first eight or nine of us um, in 2004. On the Botox team. Botox team. So I yeah. thought you were in the ocular part. So that was after, right? I actually stayed in the aesthetic side from 2014 till now, right around 2010. Uh -huh. I'm doing a variety of things on the aesthetic side. So most of my career in, at Allergan was on the aesthetic side. But I always had wanted to run a, kind of a, a broader business. And at the Allergan days at that time, it was, you know, you need reimbursement business, not just cash business to run kind of a division, right? You, you okay. can't just have that aesthetic experience of cash pay. You need reimbursement. I laugh sometimes that was just a way to placate us, I think. But so they asked me to move over to the reimbursed side. So that's when I moved over uh, to ophthalmology um, and ran one of the visions there uh, on the sales side. And when you were in ophthalmology or ocular and so forth, what what were you selling? Were they eye drops? Were they yeah, intraocular so lenses? What was well, your primary product? At the time then, it was mainly drops, right? Drops. But you had three different divisions. You have to remember this now. You had your dry eye division, you had your glaucoma division, and then you had um, we were doing drops for a surgical, right? Um, so they were all together and we had teams. My team did all of those different types of things. They were just separate. Um, I was on the sales side then. And yep. you were a manager? Uh, the director of sales at the time there. Director of sales. Yep. Okay. So how did you go from ophthalmology in Allergan to aesthetics again? So you, aesthetics, then ophthalmology, then you're in aesthetics now. So give me the Transition yeah, the transition. Um, you know, I was just, I, I liked the new challenge. I liked doing something different, right? So if you look at my career early on, it was how do I continue to get better, but also do do different things, right? I would get sure. bored over time. Um, I had been recruited a couple times to leave uh, Allergan to go work with some folks that I had worked with before. I had turned those down because Allergan was and is a, is a great company, right? There was so much value there. And I was, um, you know, I'd been there, I think, eight, nine years. Uh, I finally uh, said yes to leave um, and went over to follow some folks um, uh, in back into aesthetics and do a startup there in aesthetics. Okay. Yeah. And uh, how long did you last there? A couple of years, right? Um, worked with worked a lot of folks that you know of there yeah. and um, unique opportunity, but there's just different kind of challenges and things that we were going through at the time. And so I thought it was best to kind of get out and do something a little bit different. So I actually took a pause, kind of went out and started doing a little bit of consulting. So I uh, was consulting with some friends in the space and some consulting with some companies outside of aesthetics. I didn't really know what I wanted to do specifically, um, but I knew I wanted to do something internationally, right? So I had the bug of the U.S. businesses. I knew ophthalmology. I knew aesthetics, but I really wanted to do something internationally. Um, and those opportunities are unique and, and sometimes uh, difficult to find. So uh, at some point, I made my way into um, some connections that I had had uh, working with Nestle Skin Health and Galderma at the time. Uh -huh. um, and ultimately took a position with them um, to be general manager of China, uh, living in Shanghai. I did not know that. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's all before Dan Brown called you. That was all before Dan and others called me. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah. So I was living in China. Um, what city? So Shanghai. lived in Shanghai uh-huh. there. Yep. Lived there for two years. I'll be darned. Um, and actually uh, moved back from China to the U.S. to work at Revance. Uh-huh. Yeah. So how did you like working for Nestle Skin Health? Or how about this? We don't have to, how about working in China? What was that experience like for an American? A farm boy. <laughs> farm boy. First off, my family think I'm crazy, right? Of so, course they uh, did. Most of my family doesn't live more than five miles from the farm. So for me to live in another country, that was <laughs> still to this day, I think they think I'm a bit crazy on that. But for me, it was, I hated it the first six months, right? But after that, I completely fell in love with it. And actually, I didn't think I would leave um, Asia at the time. Um, the uniquenesses of the business, Businesses, the culture, um, how fast of growing it is, um, and just how much history uh, in that part of the world. It was really unique, especially growing up where I did, where you just didn't get exposure to those <laughs> no. types of things. And so I really, 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 really enjoyed uh, Shanghai for sure, and all of China for that matter. Did you study the Chinese language when you were there? That was my one mistake. I was a little bit uh, of a prima donna, right? I had um, I had my interpreter at the time, right, oh, with wow. me all the time. You Did had you have all, a driver? You had a, of course you had a driver. You think I could drive in Shanghai? <laughs> That's not going to happen. Um, so you have all of these things. And that was the one mistake I think I had made uh, was had, had I learned Chinese, especially Mandarin, I may not have ever left. It's a really, really unique uh, uh, place to live for sure. I bet. Yeah. Now, tell me, a little, what were you selling when you were there? So there, Was it aesthetics? So, yes, I had aesthetics and medical dermatology, so Restylane, the product that, that you're familiar with there, sure. non-lidocaine at the time. Uh-huh. Um, they were actually uh, the first dermal filler in, uh, in China outside of the local brands, right? So um, we also, uh, I did a business development deal to have a kind of a second line of fillers from Taiwan um, there as well. So we had two different brands of fillers. Um, we had medical dermatology uh, as well as launching Proactive uh, in China. China, which uh-huh. is a very unique uh, space. That's fascinating. Okay. Then who called you? Was it Dan or was it Todd? It was or actually was Todd, it? you know, and Todd and I uh, kind of had crossed paths, didn't really work closely together, but had crossed paths a little bit in the U.S. Uh, when he was at Galderma. Galderma. Right. That's right. Um, and he was talking to me about a unique opportunity and, and it was something that I, I really wasn't looking to leave, right? I really enjoyed China. Um, whether I was going to stay with the company I was in or, or other things may have been different. But um, uh, he convinced me to come and meet some of the folks at Revance up in Northern California. Um, and that's my first interaction with Dan Brown, uh-huh. right? And to hear the uniqueness of that story, uh, that 20-year history of a company that started uh, out of Stanford as a think tank, actually mm-hmm. trying to do topical insulin. Um, then pivoted to do topical neurotoxin, um, and then to see all of the trials and tribulations and to see his passion for now a new product that could offer something very, very different uh, was super compelling, right? As you know, in the toxin space, there's been no innovation in 30 years, and so I needed to know that the science was real. And so that was really the big piece is I love the people, but I, I really had to dig into understanding, is it just some other product? Is it just another thing? Um, and to find out that it wasn't, it was one of the best decisions I ever made was moving from Shanghai to San Francisco uh, to be part of the Revance team and what now is what, middle of 2018. I remember my first time that I came up to the Revance area. It was well before 2018. Yep. And uh, Dan hosted me. And I met the team mm-hmm. and the scientists. And I will never forget the tour of that facility. You could literally eat off the floor. And so those good. people were so passionate. 
and remain so. I, I, and I had the opportunity to work with Dan, and then subsequently Todd came over from Galderma, actually, you know, from uh, Zeltique, uh, Galderma to Zeltique to Revance. Mm-hmm. But um, what a wonderful facility, and, and the science was so exquisite in the dedication to this new concept. I was blown away. And I worked ever since then with, uh, with Dan and the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that's when I got to know you. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. Okay, so when that happened, you mm-hmm. took the job. Mm-hmm. Was Todd still there, or did Todd leave and you took Todd? T- so Todd was work? there. Todd was there briefly. So Todd was there roughly eight or eight or 12 months, I think, or uh-huh. so. And then I took took the position of the chief commercial officer from right. Todd, uh, when Todd exited to be the CEO of a dermatology company. Right. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And then were you living in the Bay Area at that point? Yeah, so I had moved directly from... Um, from Shanghai to San Francisco, and the office that you're speaking of is on the is in Newark, California, not Newark, New Jersey, on the uh, in the Bay. And I couldn't move from Shanghai to Palo Alto or some of these suburbs. It just was too big of a transition because right. I so enjoyed in Shanghai. City? So I, I lived in the city, and then did the commute. Uh, I did that for one year, commuting an hour and a half each way. Oh, uh, and so uh, that was like no more. So then I ended up moving to Palo Alto uh, at that point in time to be a bit closer to the office. Uh huh. Yeah. And um, let's see, you stayed there. Well, you've been there at yep. that business forever, but yep. I mean, since then. Yep. But um, and then Dan left. Yep. And then Mark Foley came in. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And Mark was on the board, actually. It was right. funny. I was in Thailand uh, on a beach uh, at a work thing, actually. Um, and part of my uh, decision to join Revance was I needed to, to understand the kind of the long term. Um, you know, play. Were they trying to get bought out? What was that whole piece? You know, what, what was the long-term vision? And and I actually talked to Mark uh, on the phone, um, and he was part of the reason why I ended up uh, kind of joining Revance at the time. Well, that was an important phone call. Absolutely. What a smart I still move. remind him of that. I don't think he remembers that, but I remind him of that all the well, time. Well, of course you do. <laughs> exactly You right. packed your bags in absolutely. China and came all the way San Francisco, absolutely. Okay. Yep. So then you're the chief commercial officer at that point? Uh, yes. Yep. At that point? At that point, yep. And tell me, walk me through the changes since then. Uh, and then take us to Nashville. Yeah, take us to Nashville. So, so obviously with Revance at the time in 2018, you're talking around 100, 150 employees. Most of those employees were on the clinical development side, the quality side, the manufacturing side, because they had built the space all from topical. We still have employees there. Kevin is one of his names. He's been there 17 years. You get these people that are all focused on getting that product Daxify approved, right? Uh-huh. Of course, it wasn't Daxify at the time. Um, and so it was my job to really kind of hone a strategy for how we were going to commercialize this product. That was kind of the, the initial piece of what I was supposed to be doing. And so uh, recruit the team, recruit the people, and kind of set up a strategy of once we had the approval of Daxify, um, how we were going to launch it. So that was really my main focus in that, that first period of time. And as you know, some of the trials and tribulations of the clinical trial, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. the FDA, uh, the CRL, <laughs> all of that, um, you know, we've been through a lot from that perspective, but there's also been a lot of opportunity between that point of time and now that we've been able to capitalize on. Obviously, we're able to, to partner with Tioxane to be the U.S. distributor for uh, that amazing line of dermal fillers, the RHA collection, um, a new innovation out of, out of Europe that's allowed us to kind of start our commercialization plans prior to Daxi. The, the thought was always Daxi first, and then Daxify first, and then Dermal Filler second. So we mm-hmm. were able to do that. And then alongside of that, we're also able to acquire HintMD, uh, a fintech platform that allows us to okay, we're gonna slow round down. out that. We're going to, our listeners. Right. Are, okay. I, I love it. All right. Let's, so there you are, a toxin yep. company, yep. trying to get Daxi. Yep. Um, 
approved. Yep. You cut a deal mm-hmm. with Theoxane, and you start distributing RHA. Mm-hmm. So tell us, tell our listeners and our viewers a little bit about RHA. There's a lot of fillers out there. Yep. You know, we've got fillers in every company. There's tons of fillers. Tell us what is unique about RHA. What's unique about RHA is the the founder, Madame Topin, was uh, been in the dermal filler industry for a long time, right? She actually yeah. was at Corneal, uh, which which makes some of the products that you're familiar with today. Um, and so when she started Tioxane, she really thought about not only taking a filler and making it better, but how do you look at the consumer and, and how does that consumer... Uh, you know, value certain dermal filler characteristics. And she realized that rather than over-engineering a hyaluronic acid, if you make a hyaluronic acid more natural, you actually deliver what the consumer wants and you can get the longevity because you've got two things to think about, right? You can make, you can over-engineer a hyaluronic acid to Mm -hmm. make it do something different or you can be a little bit more natural so your body potentially doesn't break it down. And so that's how she created RHA was to make it as close to natural hyaluronic acid as you can. Uh, And then she has a whole range of those fillers, right? Right. And so we were able to now launch those in the U.S., uh, ahead of, of Daxify and have been really successful with all of those products. And most recently, I uh, was able to launch RHA Redensity, the, the fourth product in that uh, lineup. Right. So there are different sort of viscosities, if you will, for those of you who aren't really familiar with fillers. <clears throat> uh, so as you're doing that, okay. then Mark and others mm-hmm. orchestrate with uh, Aubrey and, and, and uh, Voin and, and with yourself mm-hmm. and so forth, the acquisition of Hint MD. Mm-hmm. And Hint MD then comes over to Revance, mm-hmm. um, and that's a subscription service and uh, also uh, some credit card uh, payment methods and mm-hmm. so forth. And then you refine that, and, mm-hmm. and now you've launched um, Opal. Yep, Opal. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about Opal. Uh, what, what's the thrust? What's... What's the consumer-facing portion about Opal yeah. and maybe also the Revance portion? Because there's a lot of confusion, I think, about what Opal is and what it isn't. And what it could be. And what right? it could be. So I, I think right. we take a, point. take a step back and look at Hint, because I think you've got Hint and Opal in a category of our overall launch strategy for Revance, whether that be with Daxify, whether it be with RHA, was to look at how do we better partner with our customers. And, and partnership is a, is, is a word that sometimes people define differently. We, we, we believe that partnership isn't to give you just the best discount for the most amount of volume or to give you a plaque on the wall that says, hey, <laughs> here's your top 100. Thanks for buying the most amount of product from me. We don't hey, I that. like my plaques. Hey, hey, if you like it, you like it. But all that says kidding, is this I'm is kidding. the most amount of per, uh, purchases you've ever made. So we're not really sure how much value that provides you, mm-hmm. um, especially those that are credentialed from an injector standpoint. So we knew that in order to build a partnership, you cannot just have products. There has to be something of value other than just another product, even if those products are super innovative. And so we believe that you needed to build a services platform, right, that better aligns to how do you run your practice unrelated to, to buying Daxify and RHA. Okay. How can we help you be more efficient? And, and, and how to do that without the specific answers we knew was technology, right? Sure. You're not able to do it with... Uh, with just people, right? It, it, there's going to be technology trinkets or, or trinkets yeah. or, or what have you. And so HintMD, we felt at the time, and now with Opal, was a good foundation to, to unlock that strategy, right? You've now got a business that is in fintech, that has memberships, that has payments, and all of these pieces that, that are in that space. You've got a team of very talented engineers uh, up in Pleasanton and offshore that, that allow us to 
to create new technologies and products. And so the idea was, this is the foundation. So that's what was the purchase of Hint. Mm -hmm. um, and then the transition with Opal is um, how we took Hint uh, from, a, from a basis and now moved it into a new kind of platform that allows us to add more features over time. So Hint was a bit constrained uh -huh. from that perspective. Sure. Opal's on a new tech stack that allows us to add more deliverables, instant re rewards, these uh, white label loyalty things that we've talked about previously. Mm -hmm. And so we're now kind of entering that phase of how do you align our services strategy with now products? And so these things will start coming together as an overall partnership platform. Excellent. And that's going to make the practitioner's life easier. It's going to add to the subscription. And we know the f consumers love subscription uh, acquisition of products and goods and services. And it is going to be white label. So uh, people who are purchasing another non-Revance uh, product can use the Opal platform. Absolutely. Is that right? Absolutely. Our strategy has always been, why try to build brand loyalty to our products and our names? We want to build brand loyalty to our partners, and ultimately you choose what you, you want to use for that patient or that consumer, and you also choose. So we want the, the brand recognition to be loyal to you versus loyal to the manufacturer. Fantastic. And that's unique. It is. Okay. All right. And then along comes Daxi. Daxify. Know, I know. <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> the real name is Daxify. He'll explain to you why we even called it Daxi, uh, having to go back to the what it is actually. but And then the new product is actually a commercial product, Daxify, with two X's. That's right. Okay. So we hit a couple bumps in the road, didn't we? A few bumps. A few yeah. bumps in the road, right? So walk us through that. You have this wonderful toxin. It's no longer topical. You do the regulatory stuff. You apply to the FDA and... And, and as part of an FDA process, when you're, when you're launching your first product, you typically have to have, you, not typically, you always have to have a, an FDA inspection, sure. right? Um, and we were caught up a little bit in the, the wonderful COVID uh, deferrals, right? So we had a PADUFA date, um, and they kept deferring that without giving us a date uh, because um, of they couldn't come out and do the live inspections with the COVID protocols. Sure. The FDA was backlogged, obviously focused on vaccines and all of that. And so they did not, they were not able to come out and do the inspection at the time in which um, they should have in that original PADUFA uh, time clock. Um, and so we kept being delayed in that. So we're a little bit no man's land. Uh, eventually they did come out and, um, and do an inspection of our, our plant. But at the time of that inspection, interestingly, when you make biologics, you've got a, a working cell bank, right, which is a live organism. Mm -hmm. um, and over time, they have a lifespan. Those lifespans are uh, roughly eight to 10 years. Well, in between the time when they were supposed to come out and the time when they did come out, that working cell bank was actually kind of on its last life cycle, right? And so we were transitioning to a working cell bank. Um, and during that transition, you have to qualify that working cell bank. And so when the FDA came out, they gave us observations related to that and said, mm -hmm. hey, you know, here's the, all the things that are good, but you don't have a qualified working cell bank. And of course, we were like, well, we did, we do, we did, and this is the product that was made. But um, the good thing is with the great teamwork that we had um, with, our, with our clinical team, our regulatory team, our manufacturing team, quality team, they were able to, to get our new working cell bank qualified. The FDA came back came back, uh, back out and did their second inspection. Um, and then we were able to be approved. Um, and we were approved with an amazing label and an amazing name, which I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about. Yes. Why is the toxin called Daxi? So the actual uh, 
generic name of it is daxybotulinum toxin type A for injection, right? You can see why they you call it daxy. daxy. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that's a mouthful. That's a mouthful. <laughs> and um, the, the, the name that we had internally was RT002. And of course, on all the earnings calls and all those things, we got sick of saying RT002. And we also got sick of saying daxybotulinum toxin type A for injection. And so um, we, we just started calling it, for short, daxy. Uh-huh. Um, and then, of course, everybody said, what's your name going to be? And that was one of the most tightly held secrets that we had at Vervance for a very long time. Because when you submit your name, that was submitted in our original file. So through all of that time of inspection, it's conditionally approved. Okay. You don't really know for sure if it's approved until that day of approval. Uh-huh. Um, and as you, as you know, in this space, naming is extremely important. And there are quite frankly, some horrible names. Mm-hmm. Um, but to not pick on anybody else, it's very hard to get names approved through the FDA. There's these big algorithms that they make you go through that if it looks like, sounds like any drug that's ever been approved, they deny it. Okay. And so we went through all these processes because everybody just said, just call it Daxi. That's so simple. Well, that doesn't work from those rules. Um, but we were very, very happy that we were able to, to get Daxify approved. Uh, it's a great opportunity for us to kind of characterize that with kind of our brand. That's wonderful. Absolutely. Okay. So now you have this unique toxin. Yep. I want you to tell us how it's unique. We've got loads of toxins. I don't have to name them all. Yep. They've all been presented right here at mm-hmm. this table in this studio. Mm-hmm. Tell us, what is unique? What is novel about Daxify? So remember, we talked about our topical history. Yep. Daxibotulinum actually is the same formulation as the topical formulation. So when they went to do the topical, they had to say, well, you've got this neurotoxin. How do I stabilize this molecule? Because toxins aren't very stable. So how do I stabilize this so much so that it actually goes through the skin? Um, And so they did a ton of research. This is where I say I laugh sometimes that we're a peptide company, not Mm -hmm. a toxin company, because all toxins start with the same kind of generic pieces, right? Yep. Um, And so they did all of the research, all of their focus, all of their innovation on this peptide. This is a proprietary peptide that we are now calling PXT technology. Uh, But this peptide is what attaches to the neuromodulator that keeps it stable, so stable that it was going through the skin. Um, and so they went through the phase three, as you know, they did crow's feet, mm-hmm. um, maybe should have picked a different one, but ultimately failed in phase three. But they had noticed that this same formulation in Mexico, uh, as an injectable, was delivering different efficacy and duration. So that was the big pivot to daxibotulinum injectable. Okay. So what makes it unique is it's the first ever neuromodulator to be stabilized by a peptide, this positively charged peptide. And that uniqueness of this formulation allows us to li- deliver different efficacy and a different duration profile while using the same amount of active ingredient as you see in other products. And we've delivered that not only in aesthetics for the GL, but at median duration of 24 weeks. We did phase two trials in lateral canthal lines. Mm-hmm. We did forehead lines. We did upper facial lines, median duration of 24 weeks. We did cervical dystonia medium duration of 24 weeks. And we've also done upper limb spasticity, medium duration of 24 weeks with varying doses. And so this, this unique formulation has proven a different efficacy and duration across so many different clinical programs that it's exciting to get this product in the hands of, of our providers. And are, 
is the theory or is it you're feeling that it's the peptide that makes the difference? It's a formulation. So it's the unique okay. formulation. The peptide is an excipient, right? The peptide is not an active ingredient. Right. But it's this unique formulation that allows you to get an efficiency of the neuromodulator um, and deliver the results that we have. As you know, some of the others claim it's a dose-related phenomena. Right. Could, would you care to comment on that a little bit? Well, I listen, I think you've got to say something, and so I can understand that kind of the, the misunderstanding around our GL dose is 40 units. Well, that is t- more than 20 units, which is uh, the dose of other products. But the actual dose of 20 units of some of the conventional neuromodulators is 0.18 nanograms of, of active ingredient. Right. Our dose or active ingredient in 40 units is 0.18 nanograms of of active ingredient. So the actual dose that you're using is the same amount of active. I always kind of think about like an Advil pill. If you've got 1,000 milligrams of of, of acetaminophen, per se, right, if the pill's huge or small, it doesn't matter. It's still 1,000 milligrams. Mm -hmm. That's just a bit misunderstood in the toxin space because we're so used to units is the dose. Yes. Units is the volume that you're putting in, but not necessarily the amount of active ingredient. So for me as a consumer, mm-hmm. let's say I, I, I go to have my uh, the other the other toxins that are on the market. The conventional uh, neurotoxins. The conventionals. Let's say two and a half, three times a year. And if so, that's pretty unusual. As you <laughs> right. know, the average is <laughs> right. 1.6 right. to 1.8, depending. But how does my life as a consumer impact it if I switch to Daxify? What's the point here? Well, think about it. The, most, the number one unmet need for providers and consumers has been duration, right? They want to come in and get a long-lasting product. We see that in dermal fillers. We see that in everything else. So for the first time, if you come in twice a year, you get a the aesthetic look that you're that's you're wanting for an entire year, mm-hmm. right? So that's the opportunity that this provides. It fits in line with how they actually currently get neuromodulators today. You talked about it. The national average from massive amounts of research from other folks mm-hmm. internally and externally yep. is between 1.6 and 1.8. Correct. So if they're getting treated 1.6 to 1.8, how many days in 365 are they not having that correction that they want, right? Mm-hmm. Now with Daxify, if you get ejected twice a year, you're actually getting much longer days of that aesthetic correction than you're used to with the current neuromodulators. And so it really aligns well with how the consumer does. And if you think about it again, if it's 1.6 to 1.8 for most patients, if they come in twice for Daxify, they're actually coming in more to your practice. And that was another misnomer. They're going to come in less. Uh-huh. Well, hypothetically, that sounds great. But if they're not, that's only if they're coming in three to four times a year, which most patients don't. Yes. Now, what about cost? Cost, as you know, is, is kind of controlled by the, the provider. They are mm-hmm. able to, to, to kind of charge the consumer what they believe appropriate. We have shown time and time again that innovation allows for the opportunity for the provider to charge more. Patients are willing to pay more for more value. And we think that should be kind of translated into Daxify. We, we think that there should be a premium that you should charge your consumers. What is also unique about Revance's strategy is we've implemented for the first time no advertised price. We don't allow providers to advertise their prices for any product that Revance sells. The reason why that is is because patients and consumers are super confused. They see someone offering one product at X dollars and someone else is twice as much, and they don't understand why that those differences are there. Mm -hmm. We believe that they should be making their decisions on the provider based on the experience and outcomes that that provider provides, 
not the the deal of the day or the buy one, get one free. Mm-hmm. And so now we've taken it. So in your hands, you're not going to have to compete with someone that is selling it, advertising it for half the price that you have, and then explain that. So that's kind of the uniqueness of how we're looking at to provide that consumer a new outcome. They're willing to provide you or willing to pay more, and that should kind of translate into your practice. So how do you control that if uh, Dr. X, say, advertises on social media, it costs whatever for Daxfi or for IHA, whatever. Uh, how do you control that? you just not sell it to that doctor? Correct. As, as soon as that is kind of communicated, okay. um, we, we do not allow them to, to purchase our products anymore. It's more important to us to protect the market for our partners so that way they are able to, to focus on outcomes versus the deal of the day or the Groupons that you see going on today. Okay. And are you expecting then patients to more than likely come in again, say 1.8 or two times a year and remain therapeutic throughout the year? It seems like that's sort of the value proposition for the patient. They're not going to have a period of time where they're non-therapeutic. Instead of going like this throughout 12 months, it sounds like they become therapeutic and consistent right throughout the year. Absolutely. That's what it, it seems like. It seems me. like, and obviously that, that will vary by patients, right? Sure. So we had in the clinical trial program for GL, we had median duration of 24 weeks, with some patients lasting up to nine months. So every patient's a bit different. Of course. But we know that no matter what product they use today, if they use Daxify, the clinical trial program shows that the results will be different, both from an efficacy standpoint as well as a duration standpoint. Okay. So the consumer experience should be much better, I would think. It would be aligned with how they want to do business with today, right? If you think about hair color and all the things that, you know, we got to keep our grays away, they want to be on a regimen. I gave up. Thanks to COVID, I gave up. Exactly right. They want to be on a regimen. They don't want this constant back and forth, right? Mm -hmm. And so how do we align that with the value of fillers? And then the, the combination of coming in and getting your aesthetic outcome versus letting products go all the way down and back and forth. Right. Well, it's a very exciting time, and I know you're just starting to distribute the Daxify, correct? Correct. So actually, we're, we're, we're going to be starting um, in December uh, with our preview program and then launching to our uh, Revance Aesthetic partners in Q2. Okay. And uh, you are um, requiring, I think is the right word, that, that the <clears throat> injectors come to Nashville and actually are trained on the unique properties. Is that correct? We are. In the first phase, we think it's really important with launching... This is the first new neuromodulator launched sure. in 30 years that uh-huh. has a different efficacy profile and different duration profile based off of our formulation. We also would rather have partners, meaning there's 40,000, 50,000 accounts out there. It does mean no good to go out and sample everyone and try to have everybody playing with the product. We want to align ourselves with those partners and practices that want to do business with us. They value what we're offering. They value our product. And then we value them. And so the idea was bring them into Nashville. We've got a world-class headquarters there that we've built. We've got an injection studio. We've got uh, an AV studio that allows us to to educate them on the, the clinical benefits, the formulation, but also allow for that exchange of information how are we going to integrate a brand new product? It's mm-hmm. new pricing. It's a new offering. And so we think that exchange of information with our partners will be super valuable uh, as we launch Daxify. Yeah, I've heard about that. And I, uh, I applaud you doing that. That's fantastic from, from the ground right on up to uh, help the practitioners, the injectors, the practices learn how to mix it, how to market it, how mm-hmm. to inject it, and the nuances of it. I think that's wonderful that you're doing that. And I have had the opportunity to be in Nashville at yeah. your facility. 
Um, and it's a world-class facility. You should check out the facility for Revance in Nashville. It's unbelievable if you get a chance to check it out. Well, okay, we've covered RHA, we've covered Daxify, we've covered Opal. Um, I noticed you brought in a crystal ball today when you came in here, mm. and before you fly out, uh, could you look into your crystal ball and tell me, you've been in this space for over 20 years, mm -hmm. pushing 30, I but know. over 20. And with that crystal ball, tell me what you see over the next year, three years, five years. What, what's in the future for aesthetics, especially non-surgical, minimally invasive aesthetics? Well, I think, I think listen, we know this market's going to continue to grow. Consumers really are investing in health, beauty, and wellness. We see it across a variety of products, services, non-invasive, invasive. This is going to grow despite all these macroeconomic things that you're hearing about. Consumers want to be into the space. Providers want to be in the space. So I think you're going to constantly see us growing. I think what's unique now, especially with Revance and this innovation, is that when you bring something like this that's different, you can start to drive a bit of a bifurcation or a choice, right? If you look at the market today, most products offer the same thing to consumers. Mm -hmm. Most companies offer the same thing with a different spin on it to the providers. You've got the same coupons with a different name. You've got the same practice management with a different name. You've got all the same pieces because they're all relatively close. Right. Now you have a product and a company that's trying to do things differently to allow a voice to say, hey, if you want to partner with us with this innovation, let's do that. We don't need to partner with every single person to then water down those values to create another new Me Too coupon program mm -hmm. or another new piece. And so we believe that this will drive a bit of that, that separation where there'll be accounts that offer certain products and certain outcomes and certain focuses, and there's others that offer a different set of products and services. Neither are bad, uh -huh. and both can grow. They're just very different. Well, today, everybody's treated the same. And that's what's the uniqueness about aesthetics, right? If you and I created a product, if we created a handbag, we created boots, we would talk to ourselves and say, what, or what consumer and channel aligns best with the value of our product? Mm -hmm. And how do we want to do that? It may be boutiques. It may be mass. It may be uh, online only. But it's certainly never all of them. Mm -hmm. But today, when people have a product... They go to all 40,000 practices because in their minds, they're agnostic of who they are as long as they pick up the product. Right. We believe that we can better align your values with ours that ultimately creates a new market in aesthetics. Okay, I like that. A premium brand. Absolutely. Yeah, that's fabulous. Well, I want to thank you so much, Dustin, for coming in. I've been trying to get you on, as I mentioned, for a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, yes. Thank you for spending the time and coming here to the studio in Manton Beach. And congratulations. It's been a long, tough road. Um, and also congratulations to Dan, and who had the vision, and to Mark. Um, but to you, buddy, you're running it, and I'm really happy. And uh, thank you again for joining us. I appreciate it. Yeah. Talk soon. You take care. Safe travels Thanks, back. Bro. See you.